0: Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs chapter one, verses one through seven. I have titled today's message, No Wisdom or No Wisdom. You have to look on the screen to figure out the wordplay that I'm after there. Uh, But in this text, as we look through it, uh, we're gonna learn in verse one about the author. We talked about that as we set up the series last week. Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Uh, he requested wisdom from God in 1 Kings 3, 9. God granted that wisdom, made him the wisest person on earth. We see that in 1 Kings four twenty nine through 32. So the writer of our study that we're going to go through this year, The Way of Wisdom, is the wise King Solomon. But the author of the text that we will study is the Holy Spirit such that it can be described as God-breathed. We are dealing with wisdom literature we're dealing with the Word of God, so we take it very seriously. We'll notice that in verses 2 through 7 of our text that it is a unit. In verse 2, I want to draw your attention to the fact that it says, no wisdom, and instruction. In verse 7, it says, knowledge, wisdom, and instruction. You have an inclusio here, which tells us that this is intended to be kept together. It is, as many of you would fully embrace and recognize, this is the syllabus for the book of Proverbs. How many of you have read your syllabi last week and this week? You know what your assignments are. You probably have read the outcomes that we put in there because accreditation tells us we need to put in outcomes and and it's a good thing and it's a wise thing. It tells you what we expect from each class. We take a class, the class tells us you are gonna do these things at the end of this class. So you know what to expect. Here, Proverbs in the introduction, Solomon writes to us and he gives us his outcomes. He tells us many things through infinitives that we'll walk through today as to what he wants. But as we look at this and as we see this, we must recognize that the purpose of the book laid out in our text today is to know wisdom. That's gonna be our purpose. You see the word wisdom all throughout the book and we're also gonna see our foundation. And in our foundation, we will see that this is all based upon the fear of the Lord. It's a foundation we don't leave behind, we don't walk away from it as though it's a journey. It is a foundation, as the foundation of a house upon which we build everything. And if the foundation is not steady, stable and sturdy, then it will crack and fall and all will be destroyed. So as you have out your notebooks, as you have your pens out, we're gonna read the Word of God and I'm gonna ask that you stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God in Proverbs chapter one, verses one through seven. the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Dear Lord, as we come to You today, may we catch a glimpse of who You are. May we realize and know who we are, and may we have a proper reverence and awe as we worship You. Lord, today we do pray for those in Texas and those in Houston and surrounding areas, that You would be with them, that You would be with the churches and the ministries who will go in and support and care for needs. And share love and share the gospel. Lord, may we bear their burdens well. May your name be glorified. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. And you may be seated. As you're taking notes here, the main idea of today is to know wisdom. You find it in verse 2 to know wisdom and instruction. And yet you find the word wisdom used over 125 times if you combine the word wisdom and the word wise in the book of Proverbs. So all throughout this study, as we talk about the way of wisdom and the path that we wanna take, we're gonna come back over and over and over again to wise and wisdom and we'll talk about what that means a little more in a minute. Our goal, our objective if you will, is to cultivate wisdom skillfully displaying God's character, in the decisions of daily life. What we wanna do is to cultivate. When you cultivate, you listen, you hear, you receive, you apply, you allow that wisdom to soak in so that skillfully, which plays into the meaning of the word wisdom, with skill, we then apply and display God's character in the decisions of our daily life. Each day when we wake up, we have the opportunity to put our sin to death or allow sin to put us to death, to choose the way of folly or to choose the way of wisdom. So each day, we daily apply God's wisdom to our life. And so our goal is to cultivate that wisdom, to grow it, to watch it mature, to watch it blossom so that we can skillfully display God's character in the decisions of our daily life. In our text today, we are going to encounter four different types of listener, four different types of people, four different types of hearers. In here, we're gonna see the simple in verse four. The simple, which I'll mention again, are are those who really are gullible, they're naive. They they really don't have cleverness or shrewdness as part of their mental capacity, and so they believe anything and everything. Uh, Now, don't raise your hand if you're this person, but there are probably some of you in the room. You are prone, because of the good nature of your heart, because of the loving soul that you are, to believe anything and everything. But I will ask you this question, how many of you have younger brothers or sisters who are prone to be gullible and believe anything and everything? And how many of you as the older sibling have taught them a lot of things you should not have because they are gullible and believe everything? That is going to be one of the audiences we address today. The young, we'll look in our text, this is the ones who have no plan. Your plan is to see how high you can get your gamer rating on Xbox. That's it. That's not a plan. If you don't have a plan, Proverbs is gonna provide a plan for you. Then we encounter the wise. So you're here today and you are the aged, learned professor. Proverbs tells us that it speaks even to the most wisest of those in the room today. And the fool. And I pray that none of us in the room would find ourselves in the category of the fool. Which one are you though? We must hear and we must receive wisdom. Look with me here in verse two. Let's walk through this text. Let's open it up. Let's see what it says to us. Verse two, it says, to know wisdom. What does the word wisdom mean? If it's mentioned over 125 times in its various forms, it's important for us to understand and to know what it means in this particular text. It does not exclude intelligence, but when we're talking about wisdom in the book of Proverbs, we're not talking about your ACT score. We're not talking about your GPA, we're not talking about your SAT, we're not talking about your IQ, we're not talking about just basic intelligence, we're talking about much more than intelligence because this word wisdom is even attributed to the animals who learn to navigate life well considering the circumstances that they have. You see that in Proverbs chapter 30 verses 24 and following. Wisdom here in Proverbs means skillful living. How do you live life well? How do you live life skillfully? So as we are cultivating wisdom in our life, it's so that we can skillfully, with wisdom, display God's character in the way that we live our life. This word skill is provided of those who serve in the tabernacle as craftsmen. You would see that in Exodus 28.3, 31.3 and 31.6. This word wisdom is talked about of the seasoned mariners who operate on the sea in Psalm 107.27. Administrative skill is mentioned in 1 Kings 3.28 and other places. Skillful in war, wisdom in warfare, Isaiah 10.13. And the wise advice of a counselor in 2 Samuel 20 verse 22. So the word wisdom as it applies to us is skillful living. To know how to live in this life in God's created universe skillfully. And Instruction. Instruction means the moral training including concepts of discipline, chastening, or admonition. The DSV translates it multiple different ways. This most common translation is instruction. Sometimes this word is translated as discipline, or correction, or warning, or censure, or chastisement, or punishment, or even bonds. And so this word carries with it a broader concept of instruction than just communicating information. It carries with it that moral training that through verbal instruction that we learn how to revere and be in awe of Yahweh. And at the same time, it carries with it that correction, that parental guidance that you might offer that would rid ourselves of folly. So instruction has with it the both and combination here. Training in the concepts of discipline, chastening, or admonishing. You might think of a parent, In my role of having children, there are many ways in which we try to train children to live well. Most of you in the room don't have children yet, but you'll recognize some of these traits in your parents as well. There are times where we bribe our kids, Just to put it bluntly, we we bribe them. We can bribe them with many things. It can be a toy, it could be watching a movie, it could be going somewhere, it could be junk food. I mean I bribe our kids with junk food all the time because then I get to eat junk food alongside them and it's a great and glorious experience of bonding uh, with their father and so we bribe kids. There are times where though instead of bribing kids because that's not always a healthy way to parent alone, although it is useful, uh, we sometimes chasten or admonish. Or perhaps in the worst moments of our life, threaten our kids. Do this or else. How many of you have ever heard the or else from mom or dad? About a third of you are honest in the room. Two-thirds of you don't want to admit it. And so we threaten with whatever comes at the end of the or else. Something taken away, grounding, punishment, you name it, whatever your mom or dad did. There's that form of raising. There's also the fact that we'll have detailed discussions. We'll sit down and have the talk. And my mother was much better at this than anybody I have ever met because when my mother had to have the talk, it usually involved tears. And as a boy who loved his mother, when my mother had a talk and a few tears came down, it was just like, it was like a puppy who had, had just been scolded. My tail was between, between my legs. I was absolutely, utterly destroyed. It was instruction. She used the most effective weapon she had, a mother's tears, to put me in my place And to tell me, you can't behave this way. This word instruction, it's more than just information. So here, Proverbs starts off and tells us that he wants us to know how to live skillfully in this life, and he wants us to understand through a moral instruction, through a moral education, how we should then operate so that we can understand words of insight. Understand. Some of your translations would use the word discern. What does it mean? means the ability to grasp a truth with insight and discernment. When you understand something, you understand the entire concept. It's not not like when you're doing math and you get the right answer but you have no clue how you got there. It's when you understand exactly how the problem operates and how to check your work and you know it forwards and backwards. You grasp the truth with insight and discernment. It's when we see something as God sees it, revealing what action we should take to determine between two actions or paths or for the sake of our series, to determine between that way of folly and between that way of wisdom. Understanding refers to your knowledge. We must recognize that truth is not relative. There is truth. There is a right and there is a wrong. There's truth and there's error. There's understanding and in the best use of the word, there is stupidity. And as we recognize that, Understanding, or discernment, allows us to determine which way is which. So we want to have understanding of the words of insight. We encounter another infinitive in verse three, it says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, and in equity. And a lot of your teachers may actually want to emphasize this to you in class, because this talks about the role of the listener, the obligation of the listener or the hearer is to receive instruction. Now how do we receive instruction? Well, you can sit in class and you can be at the back of the class and you can pull out your phone or your laptop if your teacher allows you to do that and you can check out, you can engage in things that are not helpful for receiving the information being conveyed. You can even sit here in chapel and you can cross your arms and you can lean back and you can ignore and not pay attention and you're not receiving the information that is being conveyed. And here in verse three it says that you are to receive the instruction in wise dealing. Before you can know wisdom, you must receive instruction. The prudent life then of receiving instruction leads to a trio. Now here he breaks the infinitive use and so this draws our attention into the trio of righteousness, justice, and equity. We know that in Proverbs chapter two, verse nine, this same trio is gonna occur. You see this also in Psalms, that this trio is described of the communicable characteristics and attributes of God. It's a desired standard for human interaction. What do we want you to operate in life with? How should I live my life? I should live my life in righteousness, justice, and equity. And so I need to make sure that I receive instruction. Imagine if you had an illness. Something's wrong with you, something's going on, who knows what it may be, but you go to the doctor. The doctor diagnoses what's wrong with you, writes out a prescription in a language that only the doctor and the pharmacist can understand because I'm confident it's not English, hands you the prescription, you have no clue what it says, you go to the pharmacist, you hand it to the pharmacist, at the pharmacy they hand you a bottle of pills, you take the bottle of pills, you go home, whatever it is is ailing you and you set the bottle of pills on the counter and you say, oh I feel much better now because I know if this gets any worse I have the bottle of pills that I can fall back on and you leave the bottle of pills sitting on the counter. Anybody ever done that? Don't raise your hand. The bottle of pills slowly begins to gather dust as it sits there, even though it has all that it's needed to take care of whatever it is that ails you and you suffer through day by day by day with an illness, even though you have the remedy sitting there for your illness, and yet you refuse to take the remedy. You refuse to receive the remedy. And all of us would say to ourselves, this is ludicrous, nobody's gonna act this way. This is stupidity, don't do this. What are you thinking? And yet in Proverbs and in the rest of Scripture, we have the pill, we have the remedy to what ails us. We have the remedy to our sinful nature so that we can transform our minds daily so that we will not be conformed to this world, so that our minds can be renewed so that we can live a victorious Christian life, battling our sin through the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet many times we allow that pill just to sit there because we don't receive it. We don't receive the wisdom in God's Word. Oh, but it's there if I really need it. And we suffer through this life. Here in verse three, we should receive instruction in wise dealing. If you go to class and you don't receive the instruction, There will eventually come this time of reckoning. Typically we refer to it as midterms or finals. (laughs) The night before midterms or finals, you all of a sudden decide that was not a good idea not to receive the daily instruction in class. And so about 4 a.m. as you're trying to shovel in a semester's worth of information in one night, you and your whatever caffeinated drink that's keeping you up realize I should have been wiser. So as you start this semester, your teachers would want you to say and to know, be wise, receive the instruction. He continues on here in verse four. It's to give prudence to the simple. Are you teachable? Or do you already know everything? Being teachable requires humility because it requires a mindset that says, I don't know as much as my teacher knows about this particular subject. When we come to Proverbs, it admits, on behalf of myself, I say, I don't know as much about living life as Solomon does as the author of Proverbs or as the Holy Spirit does as the ultimate writer of the book of Proverbs and so I come with a humility. I come and sit at the feet trying to learn. The simple person here who needs prudence is one who has a dangerously open mind. He is gullible, he is naive, he is silly. Mentally, he just believes everything. He doesn't look where he's going morally. He's willful and irresponsible. Proverbs verses 14, 15, and 22, 3 says this. The simple believes everything, but the prudent looks where he is going. Proverbs uh, 132 talks about the the waywardness of the simple shall slay them. We don't want to be characterized as those who are simple-minded because those who are simple-minded believe anything and everything. They lack discernment. They're easily led astray. You have encountered people like this at some point in time. If you have encountered a child, you have encountered somebody like this. You take a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, something of that nature, and you ask them where chocolate milk comes from. Where does chocolate milk come from? Brown cows. Who said that? Do you still believe that? Oh, yeah. Right here. All right. We won't point them out, but here's an example of the gullible. Just kidding. He really doesn't believe that. But how many of you at one point in time did believe that chocolate milk came from brown cows? In fact, my son, just the other day, we were cutting up. I thought he was joking. He said, we said, where's chocolate milk come from? He says, they come from chocolate cows. I said, you're kidding me. And he says, no, dad, they really come from chocolate cows. And, he, and he's an extrovert. So that means, unlike introverts who are cautious when they say things, extroverts claim that they know things that they really have no idea about. And so. <laughs> As an extrovert, he, he proclaims it with great certainty that I am positive. Chocolate milk comes from chocolate cows. Let's go ride around and we'll look and I'll show you the chocolate cows because they produce chocolate milk, right? And it's because he's young. It's because at this point in life, he is characterized as the simple. We're at a university. None of us should be characterized as the simple. But how often is it that a worldview that we hear on television or that we see in a song or in a movie or in a discussion on a blog or somewhere else, that worldview takes our minds down a rabbit trail that is simply not true. It is a rabbit trail that in our minds we know is contradictory to the word of God and yet we allow that thinking to sit and even ponder that thinking and sometimes, hopefully not often, embrace that thinking for only a moment to demonstrate that we are gullible, that we are tossed to and fro as the waves of the sea, that we are unstable in our ways. And this is what he's talking about when he talks about the simple. This is not how we're to be. We need to be those who are wise. We need to be those who are actually characterized as shrewd. It's shrewd in a good way. The prudence that is given is a shrewdness, so that we understand and we know and we can see what's taking place. And it's not a shrewdness like the devil has and as is characterized by the devil, but we recognize even in the devil, his ways are shrewd. He knows what he's doing. When he attacks us, he's good at it. He knows where our weakness is. He knows where he should come at us and tempt us. And he has insight and intelligence in that. And the Bible here is saying, don't be simple, don't be gullible, don't be led to and fro by every person that can convinces you of something and said, "Be shrewd, be wise. Understand. No. It has the ability for us to understand and to be able to know what's right and what's wrong. Psalm 19:7: "The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Do you want to be wise? Study, read, meditate, memorize, internalize God's word. That's how we become wise. We focus on the Word of God. Wisdom comes from God's revelation to us. It tells us in this verse, is to give prudence to the simple. It also tells us in this verse that knowledge and discretion should go to the youth. What does it mean about youth? The term basically covers anyone from infancy to young adulthood. But what it's implying here is that the youth, they don't have a plan. They lack common sense and a practical plan for life. And so here, what we're wanting to get into the minds of the youth is a planning skill, a purpose for living. Discretion, the ability to understand and form a plan of action that will work. We might call it common sense. Sometimes the youth are described as those who wander aimlessly. They don't have a plan. Now, I know this characterizes no one in this room because all of you know what your major is and you know exactly what classes you have to go to get there on time, and to graduate in four years or less, and to go into that degree that you just absolutely want, you have a plan, you're gonna execute that plan. But you have friends at other universities, not nearly as good as ours, that don't have plans. And this text is for them, so share that with them. Learn it deeply so that you can share it with your friends who don't have a plan. Engage in it so that you know that you need to have a plan. What's the plan for life? Well, if your plan for life is to exist and to be happy, no worries, be happy, akuna matata, that's not a plan. If your plan for life is to see how I can get a job that allows me to play video games so that I can have fun doing that for the rest of my life, that's not a plan. Guys, if your plan is after you graduate from university setting, you're gonna move back in with mom and dad into that basement apartment and you're gonna ask whoever it is that you like to marry you and move into that basement apartment, that's not a plan, all right? At least not when it's gonna work. No lady is interested in moving back in with your mom and dad. That's not going to happen, all right? That's not a plan. So when you meet somebody and you you say to them, hey, you love Jesus. I see you worshiping. You raise both hands. You're really godly. And you're beautiful, too. And and you're beautiful, too. Your hair is flowing. Your your eyes are like the stars in the heavens. And and the, the lady says back to you, what's your plan? And you sit there and you have no plan. And she walks away. The reason why is because you're right here in the text. You're the youth. You're without a plan. Get a plan. Have a plan for life. Understand your purpose. Read the Bible. Know what you're supposed to do. Know what your giftings are. God has given you gifts. He's given you life. It's a stewardship then. It's not an ownership. You're to be a steward of all he's given you. Develop it. Use it. Do great things for God. Have big dreams. Go out and conquer in the name of Jesus to spread his fame and the gospel. Use it as a platform. Don't waste what he's given you. Use it well and have a plan to do that. Now, if you're the simple, or if you're the youth, you somewhat have an excuse. You may be young, you just need a plan, we'll get you there. You may be gullible, we'll get you there. But here's the quote I want you to recognize. The simple or the young must determine to become wise or by default will become fools. The simple and young must determine to become wise or by default will become fools. Now, think about this. If you're gullible, If you're six years old or three years old and you're gullible, you grow out of that. If you're a youth and you just don't have a plan, you grow out of that. But you have to make up your mind that you wanna determine on this way of wisdom. Because this way of wisdom requires for you to read the Word of God, to internalize the Word of God, to meditate on the Word of God, to transform your mind, to renew your mind so that you can then be transformed into God's image. If you don't do that, your sin nature inside of you that is strong, that sin nature will cause you to drift down the way of folly. The way of folly comes natural. The way of folly is the way that our internal feelings, our internal heart, the deceitfully wicked heart will lead us down. And so if you are not careful, if you're not determined, if you don't have a plan to proceed down the way of wisdom, you will naturally drift down the way of folly. Why do we hammer all the time about your quiet time, about reading the Bible, about meditating on Scripture? It's because naturally we don't do the right things. Naturally, I am prone. My heart is prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. It wants to go and do the things of folly. And so I have to say, no, I'm going to latch myself to the cross. I'm going to be in the Word regularly. I'm going to watch what else I put into my mind. I'm going to go the way of wisdom. You have to make that conscious decision. Now, if you're in the room and you're wise, verse 5 is for you. Let the wise hear. Say you need to hear. And you need to increase in learning. Now, there's a paradox here. Because even by the fact that you say, I'm wise, there's a caution. Because if you are wise and you think you are wise to the point that you have arrived at the final destination, the destination of the train of calling yourself wise is actually foolishville. Because if you think I already have all the knowledge I need, then you are the fool because your mind is closed and you're no longer looking for God's wisdom. The wise are the ones that have enough humility to know that they always need to learn more. Here at Cedarville, when we talk about it in our educational philosophy, we talk about being lifelong learners. We wanna create a community of lifelong learners. What does that mean? It means that you're never gonna graduate from reading books. You should be reading books till you're dead. You should be learning until you're dead. You should be using your mind to love God with all of your mind until he takes you home. We realize the more that we are educated, the more that we know, the more that I have learned throughout the years, the more I realize that the vistas of my knowledge, even though it may be expanding, only reveals the horizons of my ignorance. And so when I look out after I've learned something new and I've got the excitement of learning something new, I know something new and I'm excited about it, I realize that that brings up another question. And then I learn something more and I expand my knowledge, and there's another question. For every answer that I gain in my mind, there are more questions. Really, what I'm understanding is that I didn't even know the questions to start with. I am learning the right questions, and as I get the answers to those questions, there are even deeper questions. You will never get to the depth of God's Word. You will never get so deep in it that you say, I'm done, I've got it. If you get to the point where you think in your mind, I've got it, I'm done, I'm wise, you're the fool. You have reached the wrong destination. Here, what our text says to us is let the wise hear and then let the wise increase in learning. That increasing in learning is to store up wisdom for the times when we need it. How many of you are are hoarders? You store up things. You hoard things. You want to keep everything. There are three of us that are honest in the room right now. There are more than three of us. There are four, five. All right, God bless you. We will pray for the rest of you to get your hands up in the air. Because we know some, I've seen you come in with a U-Haul for your dorm room. You are a hoarder if you had a U-Haul for your dorm room, all right? It's, I, I do it. I, I, I like doing it. I, I don't apologize for it. There is a time where I'm going to need that thing that I haven't used in the past 10 years. And when you have to go to the store to buy it, I'm going to have it. I might not be able to find it, but I'm going to have it. So we store up things. So for me, one of the things I store up is books. I have books I've never read, but I might one day. If I get the opportunity, I'm going to read that book because it's a good book. So I need to have it on my shelf and I'm going to have it categorized in a library system so that I can find that book when I need that book and I want to keep all books. I've never met a bad book. Even a really horrible book can be used for a bad illustration. And so every book has value to some point, right? Right. And so I like all books. The problem is that my wife likes books too. So when we go to used bookstores or to cheap bookstores or to bad bookstores, it really doesn't matter. I come out with a stack of books. She comes out with a stack of books. I look at her and say, you can buy yours if I can buy mine. And we have a whole lot of books. (laughs) I think it's a good thing. But we store up. The wise here, they add to their learning. They store up. I may not need this wisdom right now, but there may be a time where I need this wisdom. So if you want to be wise... As we go through Proverbs, we're going to talk about some things you don't need right now. We're going to talk about parenting eventually in this sermon series. You don't need that right now for most of you in the room. But one day, store it up. Think about it. Have a plan. Have a purpose. Understand where you're headed. We do this also when storms come. How many of you are from the South? If you are from the South, raise your hand here. All right, you're from the South. Okay, what do we do when they advertise that there's a snowstorm coming in? The people laughing are from the north, I, I see it already. <laughs> You've seen it on TV. They advertise the snow apocalypse that's about to arrive, you know, one to three inches, something of that nature. <laughs> and when that one to three inches is coming in, we all need milk and bread. Even those who are lactose intolerant and those who can't tolerate gluten go to the store and buy milk and bread. And I don't know why. We have milk and bread at home, but when I go to the store, what is it I'm supposed to buy? Milk and bread, right? That's what I have to get because I'm from the South, and this is what we do, and don't question it. It is ritual, all right? It is important ritual that you buy milk and bread, for any snowflake that hits the ground. My first year we were here, I counted eight snowfalls before anybody else had counted one. I saw snowflakes and they fell and I counted that as a snowfall. I didn't realize you had to have like four inches of ground covering before you ever counted it as a snowfall. So it snowed like 130 times my first year here or something like that. (laughs) And everybody else was like, we got eight. I'm like, what are you talking about? Have you not been looking outside your window? And so these are the things we do, we store up. You may store up something entirely different but you store up, why not store up God's wisdom? Life's gonna happen to you, why not right now in this opportunity as we go through this year, read through Proverbs frequently, read through it once a month for the next eight months, store up God's wisdom, make notes, take notes, make sure that you are among the wise. The wise hear, but let's be clear, the wise don't hear mystical voices inside of their heads. What do the wise hear? God's revelation, God's word, scripture. Too many times when we read through Proverbs, we get this in our mind that we have to, to come up with some new mystical understanding, and what we have to come up with is this. It's already here. It's been given to you. It's God's word. It's his revelation. It's his wisdom. Don't look for something outside don't, of the Bible. Don't look for something inside yourself. There's no centering that needs to take place. There's no hidden voices that you need to start hearing. There's no mysticism in this. If Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way to death. We must make sure we know what God knows, that our factory equipment is flawed. So he gave us the direction manual, his word. Focus on his word, read his word. Listen and add or increase in learning. And if you do so, it says, The one who understands obtains guidance. What does the word obtains guidance mean? It's built off the literal idea of a rope in a sailing vessel. The steering the course by directing the sail or the rudder. So as you go through the seas of life, you need to be able to have guidance. What is your guidance? It's God's word, it's a rope. That rope controls the sail, it controls the rudder. You pull that rope and it directs you as you're gonna go throughout the seas of life. So if you wanna have guidance, be wise. Hear and increase in learning. What's your guide? What is your guide? What directs your life and your paths? Peer pressure? Social media? A news outlet on television? The music you listen to? The blogs that you read? Is that what guides your life? The things of this world? Perhaps you have secular people who are guided by even sillier things. The magic eight ball. astronomy what's your sign really you have the bible which prophesied things that happen thousands of years before they happen that gives you god's revelation as though it's god-breathed to tell you how it begins how it ends and how to live life in between and you're going to trust on anything outside of this as your guide for life we'll come to a word for that here in a moment to understand a proverb a saying the words of the wise the riddles This is the same word as discern or understand in verse two. It tells you we're gonna understand four different things, a proverb, a saying, the words of the wise, or riddles or hard sayings. And then we come to the foundation for the book of Proverbs, which we have discussed some last week. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear, what does it mean to fear? I think it means to shy away but yet to pull into. The fear of the Lord I think reminds me of Isaiah chapter six. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The fear of the Lord, I think, reminds me of Peter as he's in the boat, and the Lord says, cast out the nets over the side, and he throws out the nets, and they pull them in so that the nets begin to break. And Peter, instead of looking at the fish at that moment, turns and looks at Jesus, and when he looks at Jesus, he falls down on his knees in a reverent awe, and he says to Jesus, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He falls on his knees to be close to the Savior, and yet he recognizes his own sinfulness and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. I think it reminds me of the light that hits Saul on the road to Damascus when he falls down and he's blinded and he cannot see. I think that's the reverent awe that takes place when we fear God. But that fear of God is also tied to the cross of Jesus Christ. And we recognize that at the cross of Jesus Christ, when he hung there in my place and for my sake and died a death so that I could be reconciled to my Creator. That veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to the bottom so that now, through Jesus Christ, I can approach Almighty God in a reverent fear, in an awe-inspiring way that through the faith of Christ I no longer have to fear in a way of trepidation, but I can fear in a way of reverence and awe at the grace that He has bestowed on us, and I can cry out for mercy and plead to the grace of the Gospel. Fear the Lord. You must fear the Lord. This is also a specific command. It doesn't tell you to learn about books. It tells you the specific book. It doesn't tell you get to know women. It tells you a specific name of a woman. As though I were to say, Joy, I characterize a specific person, not a general group. Here we are told to fear Yahweh. Yahweh. The personal name of God relating back to Exodus 3.14 when they said, Moses said to him, who shall I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am. The connection there, the personal name of God. It's a quote from Oswald Chambers. He says, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. The fear of the Lord is contrasted with a fool who despises wisdom and instruction. Three kinds of fools mentioned in the book of Proverbs. We'll go through those at some point. The kessel is dull and closed-minded. The will here in one seven appears about 19 times it's a little bit darker suggests stupidity and stubbornness it's an arrogant and flippant dull mentality that rejects the lord's ways nabal is only used 3 times it relates back to the nabal of 1 samuel 25:17 but here's my question for you are you the simple are you the youth are you the wise or are you the fool Which one are you? Which one do you want to be? Do you fear the Lord? Do you know wisdom? Or have you no wisdom? Dear God, we pray that as we study your word, that you would allow us to come to it with a reverent awe because it tells us about you. That you would allow us to read it, to apply it, and to cultivate wisdom. In our own lives so that we can display your glory, your character throughout the daily decisions that we make. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and you are dismissed.